0: Oh, 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 Hey, what's up y'all? This is DJ Wiz from Kid and Play. And I'm listening to DSP, and don't y'all know it's a house party up in here, you better tune in. I'll-
1: And welcome to
0: ESP and Jack's. How are you today? I don't know. Darling? Why do I always make you laugh on that opening? <laughs> because it's cute.
1: Sometimes you sound like a mouse, sometimes we forget to talk all together. It just it is what it is. I'm just glad that two weeks in the straight, I
0: got you. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still stuck on mouse because yeah. I feel like I sound like a dude in the basement. Over. Oh. But... No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was an interesting thought though. A dude in the basement. I'm not even going to go. Okay, we just going to move right on. Um, Are we ready yet? <laughs> Last week, we were talking about the opening up of your your mayor decided that he wanted New York City open by July 1st, and uh, we got into a couple of things, but I said I was going to open the show with the question of Bill and Melinda Gates. Not so much so that I'm interested in their marriage and their divorce that they plan after 27 years, but the fact that they were part of an original conspiracy theory with regard to the vaccine with regard to depopulating the world, thinning out the weak ones, as they will say. And now that we're full blown into this whole pandemic and actually the healing course in the vaccine level of the pandemic, which they were also heavily involved in, all of a sudden now they're getting a divorce. It just, something rings stinky to me, Jax. Something just doesn't ring right. And I'm not normally a conspiracy theorist, but something just does not feel
0: kosher about this
1: one. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, it's kind of interesting to me because I don't know if you know the story that there's telling that's surrounding it, but apparently Bill was going on these long weekends with his ex-girlfriend And his ex-girlfriend told his wife or told him that he could marry his soon-to-be ex-wife. So I don't know. Now I'm thinking, what's going on? Conspiracy or I don't know. But that's the story that they're telling surrounding the whole divorce. Interesting, right? Uh,
1: Okay. Hold on first of all. Did you not know that? No, I didn't. Thank you very much. This is what I have you for, because if I don't have your point of clarity, sometimes I'm just off kilter altogether. But, um, yeah, he's a multi-cabillionaire.
0: Cabillionaire. <laughs>
1: yeah. Cabillionaire. <laughs> hey. All right. I'm be nice. I'm going to let you, I'm going to step back and, and just let you fill in the gaps on this one, because He's seeing the ex-girlfriend. The wife says you can go ahead and marry her.
0: No, the ex-girlfriend told him that he, it was okay for him to get married to Melinda. And she knew that he was going on these long weekends with his ex-girlfriend.
1: Like, so he- that
0: was, I'm sorry, that was just such a shocker to the sideshow. I, I still don't understand.
1: So he basically has his cake and eats it, too, because he can afford the whole thing.
0: I guess so. I guess so. Again, rumor, truth, I don't know
1: where does this leave us in the conspiracy theory though that's my wonder and anyone who has heard the conspiracy theory with regard to bill and melinda gates and the vaccines and the depopulation of the world and blah 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 blah, please type in the comments and let us know what you have to say because we're kind of sort of interested i just want to see how it fits into the, r- the rhythm of things
2: first things first for those who are unaware who is bill gates well Gates is the co-founder of computing giant Microsoft and is now the second richest person on earth according to Forbes with a net worth in excess of $103 billion. And he's now become the target of a number of stories surrounding this crisis. All of which apparently stem from a Reddit Ask Me Anything where he was asked what changes are going to be necessary to allow businesses to operate in this coronavirus environment. His reply was what kicks all of this off. Eventually, we're going to have some digital certificate to show who has recovered or been tested recently, or when we have a vaccine, who has received it. Some took digital certificates to mean some sort of microchip, allowing Gates to track everyone who's had the vaccine, leading to a thunderstorm of speculation and disinformation claiming that Gates had engineered a virus in order to microchip everyone. A recent Instagram post from Gates became a fountain of allegations, with many saying no to his vaccine as well as claims that Gates is achieving population reduction through the virus. With people suggesting that Gates may have ulterior motives in his further defense of the World Health Organization. For the avoidance of any doubt, Gates has never proposed a microchip strategy, nor is it even possible in the way that some theorists suggest. Dr. Benjamin, Executive Director of the American Public Health Association told BuzzFeed News that he was not aware of a microchip small enough to be injected in a vaccine, and that the whole idea of immunization certificates is not really the idea of a nanoparticle. Back in reality, Matt Hancock announced at the end of 2018 that the personal child health record, more commonly known as the Red Book, which records all vaccinations of children in the UK, would become digital and in effect, become a digital certificate of vaccinations. So this is clearly what Gates meant rather than some form of microchip. Some have also suggested that Gates owns the patent for the virus. In a series of Facebook posts, people claimed that Purbright Institute in Surrey, which received some funding from the Gates Foundation, holds the patent for the virus, specifically patent US-101-30701. To their credit, The Institute does hold a patent on a coronavirus. Issue being, the patent's actually for an avian coronavirus, a virus affecting the likes of chickens and pigs, not humans. And the patent also has nothing to do with this instance of the coronavirus. The virus explored in the patent being IBV and not, we repeat, not SARS-CoV-2. Nonetheless, this has all gained traction for two main reasons. Gates' status as one of the richest people alive, and his history with vaccination programs and existing disinformation. Through his foundation, and together with his wife Melinda Gates, Bill has been a major advocate for vaccination programs globally for a number of years. In 1998, they first established a $100 million program, the Bill and Melinda Gates Children's Vaccine Program, to accelerate access to new vaccines for children in developing countries. This long-term support for vaccinations made him somewhat of a target for all types of disinformation. A Facebook post shared thousands of times went further, with claims that the Foundation Gates Heads Up tested a polio vaccine in India between 2000 and 2017, which went on to paralyse 496,000 children. PolitiFact dug down into this post and found it to originate with the nephew of former President John F. Kennedy, And was subsequently covered by a pro-Trump website that's been known to publish misinformation. Politifact was also unable to find any credible reports of these alleged nearly half a million paralyzed children due to a Gates vaccination. So, instead, what has Bill Gates actually been up to on the vaccine front? Well, Gates has actually been pushing for greater preparation for viruses and diseases for a long time. As we already touched on, in 1998, he started his work through the Children's Vaccination Program. Then in 2015, Bill Gates did a TED Talk on the very topic of a possible outbreak of disease, simply titled, The Next Outbreak, We're Not Ready. If anything kills over 10 million people in the next few decades, it's most likely to be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. Now, part of the reason for this is that we've invested a huge amount in nuclear deterrence, but we've actually invested very little in a system to stop an epidemic. Talking in the aftermath of the Ebola outbreak, Gates highlights a number of key missing pieces, a lack of data, a lack of medical personnel, and no one to figure out what tools should be used for treatment. In 2017, he warned the Munich Security Conference that whether it occurs by quirk of nature or at the hand of a terrorist, epidemiologists say that a fast-moving airborne pathogen could kill more than 30 million people in less than a year. And they say that there is a reasonable probability that the world will experience such an outbreak in the next 10 to 15 years. In another interview with the Times, conducted in February 2019 and published on Friday, Gates says that the only thing that keeps me up at night is the thought of a pandemic. It's been nearly 100 years since we had a huge flu pandemic. People travel more today, so the speed of spread would be faster. If you had a respiratory transmitted disease, the numbers could be horrific. And since then, and since his prediction has come true, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has pledged some $250 million to fighting the virus. In a 13-page article titled Pandemic One, The First Modern Pandemic, he sets out the issues we've had with this current coronavirus crisis, ranging from the exponential growth and whether we've overreacted to certain other questions that need to be answered in a response effort. The questions he raises include whether the disease is seasonal, what proportion of people are asymptomatic, the fundamental symptoms that indicate that you should get tested, which activities cause the most risk, and who is the most susceptible. When it comes to vaccines, he stresses, short of a miracle treatment, which we can't count on, the only way to return the world to where it was before COVID showed up is a highly effective vaccine that prevents the disease. Unfortunately, the typical development time for a vaccine against a new disease is over five years, including making the candidate vaccine, testing it in animals, the three phases of safety testing, and the final regulatory approval. So far from being the virus's origin, or some shady figure during the crisis, Gates is focusing on how he can put his knowledge and wealth to good use to get a grip on the crisis. Gates' sobering analysis has been useful for many, with the billionaire repeatedly reiterating that developing and distributing a vaccine may be far harder than some people think. Gates even suggests that we should be strategizing for vaccine distribution ahead of time in order to get the most effective results, saying that when a vaccine is being manufactured, ideally, there will be a global agreement about who should get the vaccine first. But given how many competing interests there are, this is unlikely to happen. The governments that provide the funding, the governments where the trials are run, and the places where the pandemic are worst, will all make the case that they should get priority. The long and short of it is that Gates and his foundation have been a positive force for global medicine, and he's already thinking about the next stages of this outbreak. As the Times puts it, unlike billionaires such as Jeff Bezos, who have benefited from Amazon's role in the world's lockdown, or Sir Richard Branson, who has demanded a bailout for his business, Mr. Gates' sole mission is to take on the virus and win. Anything else is a distraction. I don't like to multitask. He doesn't want gratitude, he wants annihilation.
1: But back to the main point, which is, are we ready yet? Now, we talked about last week a whole myriad of things with regard to the vaccine and the placement of and who should be getting it and how it should be gotten. The demasking, the fact that still there are places in the world that this thing is accelerating, but bringing it back to New York City with Broadway getting ready to open, children going to school. How do we get these kids back on the MTA? Because if you're opening MTA up to 100% capacity, if you're bringing 80% of the New York City workforce back into the building. I'm talking NYC employees. I'm not even adding corporate other jobs or restaurant workers or uh, hotel employees or venue employees. I'm talking about just New York City employees. You're coming up to 100%. That is a large populace of New York City. How do you get them on the trains, socially distanced, masked up, Add in the teenagers that are on the trains and the kids going back to school, how are we doing this, Jack, and people are still, to this day, not vaccinated?
0: Um, first of all, I don't know the date as to when the MTA is supposed to open up fully, but if we're talking about kids going back to school and stuff in September... It gives us a little bit of a, you know, of lead time. And of course, Pfizer and Moderna are now um, testing on kids between the ages of 12 and 15 in order to get the vaccine. So hopefully by September, they will be vaccinated. But um, if they're looking to open up the MTA 100% right now, or let's say July, which is probably more than long, uh, May 19th. May, what, May, May 19th wow mm. i i don't know i then see to me it was something that i was saying before even if mask mandates and things aren't in order i think as people we need to take our own responsibility you know i'm not gonna get on a crowded train with you guys <laughs> vaccinated or not right now I'm not gonna do it so i don't know how they plan It's going to be tough to roll out and and to open things back up. I think New York's landscape is going to be different anyway, because so many restaurants have closed down. A lot of businesses are seeing that they can keep some of their workers at home and maybe save on office space. So, you know, um, I think it's going to be, of course, the essential workers that are going to have to deal with crowded trains. And we all know who makes up most of essential workers. So, I I don't know.
1: That's interesting that you say that because Google has ordered everybody back. Amazon is in the process of ordering everybody back. Essential workers are now being deemed as New York City employees. So now let's talk about that because that's everybody coming back to Livingston Street. That's everybody going back to Brooklyn Navy Yard, which a lot of people don't realize that New York City government has several offices that work from Brooklyn Navy Yard. Um, We're talking about the waterways being opened, you know, the little shuttle boats that go back and forth. Um, Of course, if New York City opens, in terms of going back and forth, you're going to have to open New Jersey because you have the path trains and everything coming into the city. Then you have the financial district that has to reopen, because if the city's going to go back to any pulse, if, it, if there's going to be any rhythm and pulse, you're going to have to have Wall Street open at 100%. This is big. This is really, really big. And I think that we're walking headlong, headlong into another catastrophe by going so quickly. Because even if you're, think about it, even if you're allowed to take off your mask because you're vaccinated, and you're keeping vaccinated people together. Now, now we have a whole new form of segregation. You realize that we have vaccinated and non-vaccinated because even the venues like Madison Square Garden and the ballparks and everything, you can sit down here in the good seats if you're vaccinated and you can take off your mask and you can roam freely, but you have the nosebleed seats where they have vac- non-vaccinated people who are still wearing masks. You realize that they're doing that. It's, it's it's really, <laughs> we have a caste system in New York City. But here's one thing that I'm very clear about, and this is a personal opinion. Say what you want to say. I'm allowed mine. Not, I'm not talking to just you, Jacks. I'm talking to our audience here because I think that our mayor is a buffoon, and I'm looking forward to the new elections coming up so we can pick, hopefully, somebody who is going to be more well-suited to what we need in New York City, because the de Blasio is, is not it. I just don't think that he has handled a lot of things, even prior to the pandemic very well. We're still dealing with the homeless situation, which is a huge, but how are you gonna open the city with all of these crazy people, with all of these homeless people? There, there are people walking around, you put it, at... <laughs>
0: Jackson. how about somebody that just shows up one time let's start okay. with that well
1: see i wasn't even i wasn't <laughs> even going to be that basic with him because you know that's just you have to be but we have that basic we have people we have people that they let out of facilities to get space you you do understand that there are people that have mental situations that Because we needed beds to handle the pandemic, these people were released onto the streets. And now they're walking the streets, hitting people with hammers and stuff. Not to mention the crime rate, because anytime you have an extreme circumstances like a pandemic and people are losing their jobs and people don't have any food, violence is going to be an end product depending on how long the situation runs on. So now now you're wondering why is crime so high and why are people shooting at each other and why are people killing each other? Well, you let the guns stay on the streets. Now people are using them. People have time on their hands. They have mental conditions. They have lack of housing you want to open up after a pandemic, after people haven't been on the trains, buses, full force for a whole year, and you've had people sleeping on the trains, buses, full force for a whole year. You put some people in hotels and you're inviting people from around the world to come back to New York City and restart tourism. Did you get these people out of the hotels yet? I know that was a lot. Jump in at any point, because I will not consider you as being interruptive. It's just jump right in. Because
0: I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot. Um, I just feel like the staged opening is, is is not in the game plan. And some people would say, but it's been staged. Things have been slowly opening. And I do understand that. But when you go from where we are now, with not um, only one third of the population vaccinated one or two shots, to 100% capacities like something there just does not fit so I don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens because we know it's going to happen and with this new strain this new variant going around mm-hmm. um the one from India which has been found here there's no telling if our numbers if our case numbers start to rise again and then what? we're back exactly. in the same
1: you boat. Say slowly opening it's not slow they're slowly opening and closing again do you know that there's so many yes. places that have opened and closed and opened and closed mm-hmm. and opened and closed mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. and yep. that's what's actually up uh, to me especially with the restaurants that's what's actually put some of these restaurants out of business it's not that they were closed and open. If they were closed and had been allowed to stay open, or if they were closed and opened in a timelier fashion, instead of open, close, open, close, that's what stressed them out. That's what put them in a negative situation where they had to just shut the business down. Because once you get past a certain point with the business, if you're not in consistency, you're in failure. And this is why I'm so angry with him, because he forced certain businesses into failure. And by the way, the PPE has exhausted itself. So not even the, the in the second round, the everyday man, gig worker, photographer, you know, the, the, the little guy was supposedly getting money. Do you notice that it went quicker when the little guy was getting money than it did when the big guy was getting money? So those PPEs are over what's the next step? How are we getting all of these people back to work? And with them getting back to work, which was the question, are we ready yet? With people going back to work and being more subject to disease and being more subject to each other, because we're in each other's faces again, aren't we really headed for another wave and would this be the third wave and would, wouldn't it be stronger, especially with a new variant, as you say?
0: Could quite possibly be. Now on the other side of that, because we do have a third of the population vaccinated, maybe deaths won't be um, such a hardship as it was in the beginning, but we could still have a rise in cases. And, you know, again, like I said before, a mild case of COVID doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to suffer with long COVID. Why do you want to deal with hospital bills? And, and so, yeah, I, I just, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens come, I'd say, after July on into September and beyond.
1: And we haven't talked about the percentage of people who have taken the first dose, because <laughs> this is the new populace. At one point, we had a population of people who wanted to take it and took it. And then we had a population of people who refused to take it and weren't taking it. Now we have a populace that took the first dose and is not taking the second dose. Okay. These are the people that are really dangerous. Because when you take, have you ever taken, just a sidebar, have you ever taken an antibiotic and the doctor has said to you very clearly, Make sure, I don't care how you feel good. I don't care care what you're feeling. Make sure you finish the whole cycle, finish the whole dosage. It's very important because if you do not finish it, it will not work. Here's what happens. When you're taking an antibiotic and you're fighting that germ, if you don't finish the whole thing, let's say you stop on day four and you're supposed to take it nine days. By day five, that virus that you're fighting has already amped up and built up the energy to fight and probably killed off the medicine that you've had already and it's made itself stronger. So now you have a stronger virus in you and the rest of the medication that you now have decided to take after skipping two days is not going to work because you need a stronger dosage. Okay, so these are what the geniuses who have taken shot number one and refused to take shot Two have done to themselves, and have done to us. Because now, if they pick up this virus or the variant, they're mutating it into a whole new animal. So now we got something else.
0: <sighs> I, I I don't understand the stopgap in getting the first shot and not getting the second one. You already went through the procedure to get your first shot, and they. Once you make your appointment, they automatically set up your second shot. Just go do it. Uh, but you
1: you understand, Jax. You, uh, you, re- know, you do understand. Because here's the thing. They told you the bullshit too. I'm sorry. Whoops. Did I say that out loud? I must be agitated. Forgive me, family. I didn't mean to cuss. When you went for your second shot and when I went for my first shot, they said, Uh, it's going to be a little sore people had something to do oh your second shot a lot of people are not going back for the second shot because they don't want to feel what the rumor has been said instead of just going it and get it out of the way some people are just not going back because they don't want to feel that oh it slayed me you remember what they said it slayed me the second shot just and i just couldn't i felt like i was going to be so sick and i couldn't even get up just go take the doggone shot when you took your second one you were you were fine was waiting. My second one, I haven't done just because of scheduling.
0: I was actually, after my second shot, I was waiting. I was like, okay, where's the body aches? Where's the chills? Come on, come on. (laughs) But nothing. And again, I think our mind, I'm not saying that, you know, these things don't cause side effects, but I also believe that with, you know, a little thought, a little forethought that we can of lessen things for ourselves you know it's a shot it's a shot a little soreness you know take take a nap if you if you feel sick afterwards it's a great excuse (laughs) to take a nap (laughs) so yeah i just i don't understand if you're gonna go and get the first shot just please please follow up get the second shot
1: all right family we're gonna take a quick break we're here with esp and jack we're talking about are we ready we want to hear what you have to say so please chime in and let us know we'll take a quick break and we'll be back after Jack Speaks and the birds. Can you hear the birds? I got the dog. She got the birds.
0: We're giving you music today. Have my window open. Okay, window. <laughs> so awesome.
1: Your birds are so loud. I'll trade you the dogs for the birds any day.
0: Okay. Well, I
1: got both.
0: So no trades. He's here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So now
1: right. we're chatting
0: about are
1: we ready to go back? But here, Jack, you know what? Before we do that, how can people get in contact with us if they want to catch us later?
0: Well, if you're not watching us right now on Facebook Live, you can always catch us later. You can check us out at iHeartRadio or Spotify. You can also hear us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts if you just want to hear, you know, all 40 says. You can check us out on YouTube Live, tuned in, Anchor Breaker, and Radio Public. But wait, I'm not finished. There's more. You can also check us out on uh, Twitch Live, Stitcher, Overcast, and Pocket Cast. But <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to send us a comment, a question, a complaint, well, no, I keep the complaints, but <laughs> how can they get in touch with us as
1: well, if you want to text us, you can text us at 516-400-7269. If you want to give us a call, we're at 929-336-7887. If you want to send us an email, we're at espspeaks.com. At esp- or if you're Gmail-ish, you can get us at espspeaks Suppose you wanna hang back and stay on IG and Twitter. On IG, we are ESP Real Talk. And on Twitter, we're Speak ESP and at ESP Speaks. So there are a myriad of ways that you can be in contact with us and let us know how you feel. We take ideas for new shows. We take ideas for old shows. If you wanna just leave a comment, Tell us how you feel. We're here to listen. And by the way, jump over to Jaxology and her YouTube page. Click, hit the little bell to subscribe. Let us know what you feel over there. Check out all of those fun things that she has told on. So Jax, you know what? While we were on last time, I'm thinking about a situation here that no one has addressed yet. There are some parents who have not gotten the vaccination. The father hasn't gotten it. The mother hasn't gotten it. In fact, nobody in the family has gotten the vaccination, and they have no intention of getting the vaccination, and here's how this plays out, because the kids are about to be mandatory vaccinations returning to school. So parents, tell me the logic behind this, because I have kids, I have school age kids. I'm subject to the mandatory vaccination for my child, going back to school in September. And tell you what, if my son or daughter is about to get stuck, You better understand that regardless of how I feel about a uh, vaccination, they got to stick me first before they stick them. So explain to me, parents who refuse to get this vaccination, type in the comment field, give us a call, let us know what are you thinking, because how dare you subject your child to this vaccine? if you haven't taken the vaccine yourself. Am I right or wrong, Jack?
0: No, that's completely right. I would not subject my child to anything that I would not do myself. Absolutely not. I I don't even understand the mechanics of that.
1: (laughs) I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't get why we're still having this discussion as to who's vaccinated or who's not vaccinated. I mean, let's not even add the Trumpians to the mix because (laughs) wasn't he so proud that he brought the vaccination into play? I got the vaccinations done and I was the first president to get the vaccinations done. Yeah, you were the first president to get the vaccinations done. You were also the first president to let a pandemic leak into the country, but that's a whole other subject. Anyway, Jax. Are we ready to go back? That is the comment on the table. Are we ready to go back? How do we social distance on MTA? How do we get the kids back to school?
0: How I know do we you get the social distance on that two train? <laughs> Impossible.
1: Has has your Mayor de Blasio decided on who's watching these kids if the school, because you know these, these CDC requirements are still in play. If they have a certain percentage of people who are testing positive, the kids have to stay home. So the parents that he demanded that, that they go back to work, that work for the city, where are the kids going to stay if they have to stay home from school? And the parents have demanded to go back to work. Did that? Did you get all of that? Mm-hmm.
0: I, I mean, right now, that's a lot of the reason why women are not back in the workforce, um, and they will have a hard time getting back in because they can't afford childcare. And mm-hmm. you know, Biden wants to pass the new um, bill for American families, which would pro- and, and and infrastructure would ch- would provide healthcare It's expensive. There are people out here paying upwards of $10,000 like, a year for childcare, and you're making $30,000 a year or $40,000 a year. Mm-hmm.
3: The CDC recently released new guidance for schools on how they should deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. So what did the CDC tell schools? It's up to local school districts to decide when and how to reopen and many are doing so under existing state directives. The new federal guidance is meant to aid those efforts. It says schools should fall into four color-coded risk levels depending on the rate of the virus within their community. When she announced the guidance, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said that 90% of counties in the United States fall into the highest risk level. That means schools there need to take the most precautions. In that high risk level, Middle and high schools may need to remain in remote learning if they can't take extensive mitigation steps, including potentially testing students and staff regularly to ensure that the virus is not spreading in their buildings. But that kind of testing is inaccessible to some schools. How is this different from previous guidance the CDC released? Under the Trump administration, the agency released several phases of guidance to schools throughout the course of the pandemic. But district administrators complained that it was confusing to read and at times contradictory. The new guidance seeks to put everything all in one place. It includes some of the recommendations that were in previous iterations, but it's far more direct. For example, the guidance suggests that masks should be required in all schools rather than recommended. It also suggests that six feet of social distancing is a must unless a school is in a low risk area, which very few schools are. The guidance also suggests that schools should consider cohorting students, putting them in small groups to reduce interactions throughout the building, making it easier to trace and isolate potential exposure should it occur within the school community. What does the CDC say about vaccines? The recommendations echo those of another federal panel that said that states should prioritize teachers and school employees for early doses of the vaccine. But the CDC says schools don't need to wait to open until every employee has been vaccinated. So will this guidance help reopen schools? That's the big question. First, it's important to note that schools in many areas are already operating under some sort of in-person model. And many state leaders have advised their districts to stay the course even with the new CDC recommendations. For schools that aren't open, education groups hope that new centralized recommendations would lend more credibility to the federal response, helping them to navigate contentious debates in their own communities. But since the guidance have come out, some public health experts have said the CDC may have set the bar too high making it difficult for schools in some areas with high infection rates to welcome students back. And some who are hesitant about school reopenings have said the guidance should have done more to address issues like ventilation, which is a big concern in dated school buildings. President Joe Biden has asked Congress for an additional $130 billion in aid for K-12 schools to help as they continue to confront the crisis but it's likely that debates over how schools should respond, whether they're being too cautious or not cautious enough, will continue for some time. For more on COVID-19 in schools, visit edweek.org.
0: So I I don't know, like on on top of the vaccine, getting kids vaccinated to get back in school, you know, if if that doesn't happen, then yeah, you have people that are going to suffer because they can't get child care because kids won't be back or they will be back and then I, I don't know it's it's a lot
1: do i dare segue into voting legislation which they just you realize that texas is about to pass the same red. in fact i think last week they passed the same legislation that they
0: did for Georgia? Worse.
1: Okay. So do I dare touch that? Because I'm segwaying, I'm segueing from one pile of crap into another pile of crap. So we've got piles
0: of crap happening. Well, that's the thing that right now with everything that's going on, it's just piles of crap are starting to congeal and, and combine with, because you can't go here without going there, without going here, without coming back over there. It's, Mm. so, you know, touch. All right, well. (laughs) Who is right? I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm
1: exhausted. I'm exhausted. And I really don't know where to go anymore with this because here's the bottom line. People, we're moving too fast. I I think we have taken things step by step and taken the real time that it takes to get rid of this thing. We'd be okay instead of rushing. We're rushing to where? We're rushing to closure again. We're rushing to illness again. We're rushing. I just think we're rushing for for the dollar sign. Because it's all about economics. It's not about the people. It's all about economics, which they are trying to convince us. Economy is people. But what good is economics if we're all that bad? And I don't think I'm far reaching in that statement. If we're ill, sick, hospitalized, or dead, what good is economic recovery if none of us are here to be able to enjoy it?
0: And right? unfortunately, I think with this last cycle, the economy became synonymous with Wall Street, with the stock market, and that's not the economy. Um, economy is driven by us and if we can't drive it if we are not getting support in order to help drive it then there is no economy so um it's it's frustrating because you hear mitch mcconnell say that he his main goal is to 100 percent stop the biden administration period so it's okay for us to spend trillions of dollars on wars. It's okay for us to send billions of dollars to other countries in need of support, which great. If if, if we're a country that can do that and step up and take leadership, okay, great. But on the other side of that, you got to feed your own people. You're, you can spend trillions in defense and tax cuts for the upper 1%. But you can't spend those same trillions on hard-working Americans, the Americans who are paying the tax bills. Okay? So how do you have an economy when you are not supporting the people that actually drive the
1: economy? Mm. 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 And speaking of war, you knew I was going to come here. Our president has said that he's pulling the troops out of his Afghanistan. My question to you, Jax, I want the soldiers to come home. I want our, our men and women who have served to come home. This war has trudged on for 20 years. But all of, the, we were talking about taxes, we were talking about economy, all of the money that we, the American people have spilled into that war since 9-11 spilled into that country. The advances we've made in terms of creating a foothold of stabilization for the Afghani people, I'm not sure it makes 100% sense to pull out all of the troops and allow the country to revert back to what it was because isn't the Taliban just gonna become stronger once we leave? Aren't they gonna just
0: resurge and do what they were doing before? Um, The remarkable part is they're already becoming stronger. Um, In the countryside, the Taliban is actually gaining foothold again. So um, I agree with you. Yes, I want them to come home. This has been a 20, almost a 20 year war, Um, but don't get it twisted we're still going to be helping them economically and militarily in order to hopefully fight back against uh, the Taliban and what they would actually do to women. They would set women back yet again. So even though we're pulling out, it's not over. We're still sending, we're still going to have to be economically and militarily involved in order for those past almost 20 years to even matter it matter.
1: So. this is what i'm saying there has to <laughs> be a military presence there because as you have stated clearly we're going they're reverting back i i just i don't get a lot of the stuff that's that's um that's happening right now but um we we're running out of time and I just needed to throw that in there because I needed to see how you felt about it because it couldn't just be me. And once again, family, type your comments in the field and use all of those other venues that we gave you They'd be in contact with us and let us know how you feel. Um, this is, this is the, a rough show. And once again, we need a breath. Family, we hope that you have been enjoying. Actually, next week, we're going to be rolling into an anniversary show. We're a little late. It should have been in May, but we've kind of been tied up with a couple of things, so we're going to do it in in June, and um, we look forward to having you with us. We thank you for being with us here. If and I may? Yes, please do.
0: Um, you just said, you know, we're all tired. We need to take breath and Like I said to you earlier, smell the roses, (laughs) blow the (laughs) bubbles, blow
1: the bubbles, smell
0: the roses. I
1: love that. I love that. I love that. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next time on ESP speaks and Jack. Like she said, remember to (sighs) smell the roses, blow the bubbles. we'll We'll see you next week have a great one